this is Debbie, and I have a wonderful guest with me, <laughs> Emily Carruthers. Hi, Em. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So I met Em. Uh, she is our coach at our drag on our dragon boat team, the Dragon Flyers. So as in all my dragon boat teammates, I call them <laughs> my breast friends. And so this is my breast friend, Emily. And we're going to chat, of course, about our journey of breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Well, probably more her journey because, you know, mine's getting repetitive. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so why don't you tell us how you discovered it and how old you are? Because you are the youngest on our Dragon Boat team, right? I am, yeah. So I was uh, 24 when I discovered my breast cancer. I remember because I was watching... Um, Rosie McLennan do her trampoline jump for gold watching the Olympics right. and I was sitting in my basement with my siblings and we had been eating breakfast and I had gotten <laughs> still in my pajamas and I had gotten like um, some like toast crumbs in my sports bra and so I was just reaching down to adjust my sports bra and found like felt the lump on the side of my breast um, and I mean, I was 24. I wasn't doing self-breast exams. There's no history of breast cancer at all in my family. I have no aunts, anything like that, that have had it, grandparents or anything like that. So, Well, can I ask you a question? Yeah. What was your first thought when you felt it? Um, like, as a 24-year-old, right? I like, was just like, well, it was more like, what? <laughs> what is that? Like, why does it feel like that? I remember kind of, it was, so I was living in Waterloo at the time because I was actually um, in the last part of my master's degree. Okay. Um, when I was, when I was diagnosed. So I was home for just like a weekend. My parents were actually traveling. And so I was home with my siblings and yeah, it was kind of like a, like, what do I do in the situation? Cause I didn't have, like, it was a Saturday. I didn't really want to go to a walk-in or something like that. And I was, you know, kind of freaking out, but not freaking out. Cause there wasn't really a whole lot that I could do necessarily about it. Um, and so when I went back to campus during the week, I went to health services and the doctor did an exam and said like, you know, it's probably a fibrodenim assist. Um, it's very common in women your age. Um, it seems to be, cause usually cysts, like they're a bit looser, they move right. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, which is something that's, you know, not necessarily common for women my age, um, they the doctor did send me for an ultrasound. He said, I think it's a fibrodenomasis, but I'm going to send you for an ultrasound anyways just to get you checked out. Um, so they sent me, I just went to like a True North Imaging, like just right, a random yeah, ultrasound yeah. place um, and came back in two weeks. And he said, well, I'll book your appointment. We'll come back in two weeks. I'll have the results. So I came back and I think the only like, the only part of my cancer journey where I was like, maybe this could have been done differently is I, I 100% he did not read the report before I walked into the room. Because oh. I sat down and he was like, oh, you didn't bring any family or friends with you? Like, yeah. so, like, he 100% hadn't read it and told me, like, hey, maybe you should bring somebody with you or, you know, the news isn't great. We're going to refer you on. Don't, cut, like, just go right to wherever. So I was sitting in the health services department at Laurier with this clinician that said, you know, and it looks like cancer. I'm going to refer you to the Freeport Breast Clinic. And then from there, like, they got me in really quick. And, um, yeah, so that was a terrifying phone call to make to, yeah. like, family and yeah, <laughs> all those know, people. I think, so, I'm, 
you know, unfortunately, when I had mine, I can't remember who it was who told me to go with a friend. Mm. I don't, but you don't even think that, right? Like, you just don't, yeah. you don't think, you think the worst and hope that for the best and don't even know how you're going to react or respond no. to it. No. Right? So, um, so you had to go through that, that part of it alone. That yeah, was it was just horrible. like, you know, and so I just remember walking down the street and then called my mom and telling her over the phone and um, they booked me into the the Freeport Breast Clinic like fairly quickly so my mom came down I think the next day or the day after and probably the next day and uh, yeah I had to call my roommate and was like I need you to come pick me up like (laughs) this isn't good Um, because I had walked actually I think I was walking back down to to the imaging place to go and get like there was like the CD or whatever that has the results on it yeah yeah, to Mm -hmm. take with me to Freeport so um, but then you go to Freeport and do all the tests, right? They and do what the biopsy. Because I never did anything there. I did everything out of the hospital. Oh, so Freeport is so at Freeport Hospital, Grand River, that like Part satellite, yeah. yeah, site. They have um, the breast clinic there, so they do they can do ultrasound, mammogram, and biopsy all in the same place. Okay. I was actually working at Grand River at the time that I was diagnosed as well. Okay. So I was finishing because I was finishing grad school, so I was finishing my music therapy internship. And I was actually working in the pediatric oncology unit, doing music therapy with the kids in the oncology unit when I was diagnosed. Oh. Mm -hmm. All the, like, they did the mammogram, they did the ultrasound, I met with the surgeon, they did the biopsy. I remember sitting in my office at the hospital a couple days later, and that's when I got the results from the biopsy, was over the phone, like, yeah, or the next day or something like that. So, yeah, but I was working in the in oh, the adolescent mental health unit and the pediatric oncology unit. And, you know, the minute I heard, you know, and, and like you, your doctor, mm-hmm. my doctor hadn't read it before either because yeah. he started bumbling around and it was like, oh, my God. You know, I, I remember whispering to Anna, my friend, she came with me because mm-hmm. somebody said, take somebody with you. If it's good yeah. news, then it's great. If it's bad news, then somebody there for mm-hmm. you. Like, you know. You, he was just bumbling yeah. around. No, and, you know. And then the minute he said, you have cancer, everything was just, I was blank after that. I don't remember anything other than that. Um, yeah, no, and it, and it moved pretty fast from there. I mean, from, as I said, I met my surgeon at the Freeport Breast Clinic. Um, Dr. Judges was my surgeon. And okay. um, that was like mid-August, probably by the time that all happened. And I was booked for surgery the beginning of September. So did you have a lumpectomy? I had a lumpectomy. You did have a lumpectomy. Yeah. And they took some lymph notes too? Yep. Yeah. So, um, it was actually kind of funny cause I finished, I did my thesis defense on the Wednesday. Um, my friend Wednesday or Thursday, my friend got married on the Saturday and then I had my surgery on Monday. Oh my God. <laughs> so it was a great weekend to like spend time with friends, but like, even like in my thesis defense, I was like, um, I'm not maybe going to be able to get my corrections back to you right away. And I hadn't disclosed. I, I actually didn't tell a lot of people. I told my best friends. Um, I told, because some of the girls in my graduating class had come back to do our defense, I told a couple of them. But the friend that got married, I didn't say anything because um, you didn't wanna... I didn't want, like, I'm not going to overshadow your wedding. And even those friends, I didn't, our next kind, the next time I saw them was at, in October at our convocation. I didn't even tell them then. It was, because I didn't want to spoil right. the mood. And like, you know, one of my friends, people react differently. One of my friends, my, a very, very dear friend, 
she was in Alberta. She had just moved to Alberta um, about a year earlier with her husband, and I had to tell her over Skype, and, like, that was <laughs> absolutely awful. Like, she started bawling. Her husband came in. He's like, what is going on? <laughs> so, you know, like, you just, you learn how to tell people. Another friend of mine, I remember telling her in the car, and she was like, okay, okay. Okay, okay, like, you know, and people, especially at my age, like, I was people just are like, say, but you're all 24 year old. Yeah. It's just not. No, people don't talk about that don't at 24. Don't talk about it at 24. No. So, you know, it was super weird. Because, I mean, you, you hear cancer in like children and, yeah. and, you know, young teenagers maybe, but you don't usually then hear about cancer again until four, people in their 40s, well, breast right? Breast cancer specifically, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, kind of crazy. But then, yeah, so I did the lumpectomy. Um, they took. Um, the lump, obviously, and they took five lymph nodes, I think. Because okay. so they did with me, they did a sentinel node biopsy, okay, which is where they inject blue dye and the radioactive dye, and that was actually a fairly new procedure even for when I was diagnosed. Okay, um, and they found cancer in 0.7 of one of the five. So that's good news. Yeah, yeah. So really it's like the news. size of like a pencil, right. one of those like clicky pencil right. leads, right? Um, and so they did have to go back in and clean up the margins a little bit, mm-hmm. but, um, so I did have like a follow-up surgery for that. Okay. Um, I had it actually right before convocation and in the midst of all that, I also did fertility treatments <laughs> because, oh, right, because in case, yeah, so talk yeah. about that a bit. Yeah. So my oncologist, um, said, you know, we have some time cause they sent my tumor away, um, to do oncotype testing. Yeah. Um, and so they said, you know, it's going to take a couple of weeks to get the results back. Um, we know we're going to do chemo first. So I'm going to refer you to a fertility clinic in Toronto because it was the closest one at the time. Um, so I went to create. And so I had gone down. So I went for a referral um, and they said, yep, come on down. Um, and it ended up like, we're just going to give you information. It ended up being a day that... Um, unfortunately, neither of my parents could be with me. They both had things that they needed to be at. And this was, you know, just supposed to be a information type gathering type of thing. Right. And so my best friend had taken me down or she, she had come down with me. And so I went down and they did ultrasounds and they did blood tests and they did all this kind of stuff. And they kind of sat me down in the office and said, all right, well, because of where you are in your cycle, we need to start today. So you need to go have some lunch. Here are your options. And when you come back from lunch, we need to start you on these treatments, basically. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, there was no break for you, right? There was no, yeah, there was kind of just like, you know, and I'm 24 years old, single, like, you know. to think about your future, am I kids gonna, and your future. Yeah. Like, if, you know, am I going to do, you know, do I want to just do egg retrieval and, you know, not have sperm with the eggs and then just store the eggs? Or do I want to, you know, pick out a sperm donor while oh, I'm so, at it? Like. So- so just hold on a sec because <laughs> so let's just go back one step because I've yeah. got some some questions I gotta yeah. write it down so when you were sitting with your oncologist mm-hmm. like was he just kind of saying I think you should go or was it a conversation like was it an option he was giving you so my oncologist um she said you know this was just like you're young I want this to be an option for you so I'm going to make a referral to, um, it's a fertility clinic in Toronto called Create. And so they actually work with cancer patients. Okay. So they offer a reduced rate to cancer patients. Okay. 
Um, but it, you go into this building, it's right down in like Bayon College in oh, Toronto, yeah. and like you go down and. Um, so it's almost like kind of like a cattle call. <laughs> like you have to like get there. So the thing is you have to get there early and you get a number. But, you know, even though the doctors don't come in till 9 o'clock, if you're not there at 7 or 7.30 to get your number, you may not see a doctor until... Like 7 o'clock uh, at yeah, night or something. Yeah, basically. So because every time you go in, they do an ultrasound, they do blood tests, and then you meet with the yeah. nurse and then you meet with the doctor because they're basically trying to like pump up your ovaries so that they're producing as many eggs as possible. Got it. And the, the, the decision you had to make was egg retrieval, mm -hmm. like with no sperm. So egg, basically it was not to do anything. Yeah. To do an egg retrieval and then from there to either decide to do sperm or no sperm. What's the difference? Like, so well, sperm is... I know what the difference is. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like... I mean, it's not... <laughs> So basically, so what I decided to do was I decided to leave the eggs unfertilized. Okay. So it could, it, you know, there's no guarantee that when they fertilize them that they're going to be viable. Got it. Um, but I didn't, so I, yeah, so I decided not to do, um, not to have them fertilized. And if they were fertilized, there's still no guarantee that they'd be viable, yeah, right? True. Because um, they're frozen. They're frozen still, still. Right? I just paid for them actually like last <laughs> week. <laughs> I just paid for the storage again. Um, yeah, so they're, yeah, so I pay for storage for them every okay. year. Um, you know, at 24, like, would my future self want this to happen? Like, even though at 24, I was like, this sounds like a terrible process. Like, you know, not just to have, like, to be poked, have internal ultrasounds every day. Like, it's, it's a horrible, it's terrible. Um, but you know, I think uh, to this day, I still think it was worth it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And the, it's funny because like when you go through, I remember going through treatment and I had to take Neupogen, right? Yeah, so did I, yeah. And so like to take the Neupogen, like I wanted to do it by myself. So CCAC the first day came and the next day I had to go to one of their offices and they had to watch me do it. And then finally they let me do it by myself. And the fertility clinic, it was like, here's a needle, here's a drawing, <laughs> have fun, stick it in your stomach, like... It was such a, like, random <laughs> process. And, I mean, even being in the fertility clinic, because there's people that are there because they're really trying to have children, and this may be a last option. There are people that are, you know, making the decision that they want to freeze their eggs now because they don't want to have children right now, but they want to do it later. There are people that are obviously, like, putting, you know, don't have a lot of money that are putting money into this. People that do have lots of money that, like, it's just a whole mix of people um, sitting in that room. So... It's kind of a strange process, even like, so the day that they decide, when they decide you're, you've grown your eggs enough, yeah. uh, they, um, and actually I had my convocation and my follow-up surgery um, while I was on, like just after I started doing the hormones um, to make my ovaries grow more. Um, and so I can remember because of the the surgery and then the hormones it was making me hold water so I remember coming downstairs in my convocation I felt like I had a water bottle in my chest it was like oh, 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 oh my god but it, yeah so it all happened around the same time oh. um but yeah so then when they do the egg retrieval it has to be timed perfectly so like if my appointment's at you know 10 o'clock in the morning it has to happen it was either 12 hours or 16 hours beforehand and <laughs> they actually drew a circle with a permanent marker on the back of my hip and I was in Waterloo at the t I had come back to Waterloo, and so my roommate had to 
like jab this needle into like this bullseye on my hip because I couldn't, there was no way that I could angle to do it myself. Now she's a nurse, so I'm taking credit for um, <laughs> that. She wasn't a nurse at that point, but now she is. So, um, but yeah, so then we had to like time it like, okay, it's 10 o'clock, like stab me with this needle um, and then go down and do the egg retrieval. Yeah, but it was super well-timed and then they just basically put you under and I don't remember any part of that. They, gave, okay. they don't, I don't think they actually do like a general anesthetic, but they do like a, like a gas. Yeah. Yeah. No recollection of well, the egg retrieval. Good. It's probably it's that's fine. That's probably good with everything yeah. else you were going through. Yeah. So, but they were able to retrieve, I think like 16 eggs. Is that so, good? Yep. Yeah, that's okay. a fair amount. Yeah. Um, so we'll see when the time comes, if I have to use them or, and if I don't have to use them, I can donate them. So, and you haven't been checked cause that was how many years ago? So I did that in 2012. Oh, so seven years ago. It's not mm-hmm. really that long ago. Mm-hmm. So after that was all done. Uh-huh. Now, just now, seven years later, do you have any idea how you... Are you fertile? You don't know? No idea. No idea. Okay. No, I and won't know until... Really, yeah. Until I decide to start having children. Right. But it's good to know that I have eggs frozen yes. if if need be. Yeah. Um, then that's an option, so... Yeah. Good. Yeah, so then from there I did chemo. Um, did eight rounds of chemo. Eight rounds of chemo. Yeah, so I did every other week. Um, so did that. And from, it was the same cocktail the whole both time, like the the eight rounds, or did you switch up? So I switched up. So I did uh, AC. Yeah. For the red one, for the first four. Yeah. And then taxol for the last four. Okay. Um, and now, I, what was your diagnosis like when they when you got your. Uh, uh, I was in ductal. What does that mean? So it's in the duct. So it didn't spread. Okay. And I'm also, so I'm estrogen receptor positive. Okay. Um, HER2 negative. Okay. So because of the estrogen receptor positive, I'm still on tamoxifen. You are. So then we did chemo. So I did four rounds of AC and the one, the red yeah. devil and you lose yeah. your hair and you feel nauseous and you feel awful. And from like November to, I think my last chemo, I was actually thinking about that today. My last chemo, I think, was either Boxing Day or the 27th. Like, my last of those, that round of chemo. And then okay. I started Taxol in the right. in the new year. And did you have any problems with uh, the Red Devil with uh, AC? Just nausea. Okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just nausea. But, yeah, no, just nausea. I actually, the, the worst reaction I had actually was to the Taxol. Taxol is a five-hour drip. Yeah. Plus the Benadryl and all the stuff you have to take beforehand, yeah, right? Yeah. So you're there for a solid day, whereas the Taxol's yeah. like, or the AC is a couple hours, like yeah. two or three hours. Yeah. So for some reason, I actually had a really weird reaction to Taxol where my hands got really, really swollen. And so I think what they figured out eventually was that the chemo had, like for some reason, when it hit the end of my fingertips, just like made them swell. So my hands were really, really swollen. So like my 25th birthday... I had to like, there's one point where I was like standing at the door, ringing the doorbell, tears streaming down my face. My roommate had to come and let me in because my hands are so swollen. I couldn't turn my key in the lock. She had to like cut my food for me. People had to like, my parents had to like help me do it by jacket because my hands were so swollen. So for the other, for the rest of the chemos, I had to sit with my hands in ice water for the five hours. That was the Taxol. Yeah, the Taxol. And then after the Taxol, like after the the chemo had gone in and we were done. I wrapped my hands in compression bandages to, for the first like 24 hours just to keep like to compress it so that it didn't swell in my fingers. So did it help? 
yeah, the other ones were much better. Um, it didn't, I didn't have the same reaction. On top of that reaction, I actually also got an abscess. As you do with chemo, like you have that cheat sheet that's like, if you have a fever, if you have this, yeah. if you have that. So I'd gotten an infection and I'd gone into to the hospital because my fever was too high and they gave me ciproflaxin and then so not only were my hands swollen but then I reacted to ciproflaxin and was covered in hives so yeah the first um couple weeks of January were a little a little rough but that's why they say everybody is different yeah like I mean there's no you know I'm on a couple of um Facebook groups Mm -hmm. and everybody's story there's some similarities yeah but then there there always seems to be like a right turn or a left turn for somebody Mm -hmm. else and you know mine was when I did the taxol um I couldn't do full dosage they Mm, had to cut it down I couldn't take oral uh Benadryl they had to give it they gave me orally and it never worked Mm. and they had to put it in my port and then they had to wait an hour for it to take Uh before they could do the taxol because my bot my bones felt like they were going to explode yeah everybody's different and they I mean there's everybody's different from diagnosis to yeah to everything right so yeah no it was uh yeah and especially those taxol ones like whoever came with you was like well I'm gonna sleep they give you the bed and you're like well I'm gonna sleep for an hour and a half so I hope you brought a book and then you wake up and sit there for five hours right so yeah um actually my last my last chemo I guess um was like mid-February so both my sisters who were in university at the time because I actually was diagnosed my youngest sister was just starting university um, they were both home on reading week. And so they had come with me, my mom and my dad and my sisters. I think my cousin was there too. Like had all come with me. I brought like an entourage to the chemo suite <laughs> with me. Um, and so they were actually, cause I was bald at the time. Um, actually I was bald, but had dyed my hair like bright, bright red before I lost it. Cause I was like, what am I going to do this again? Um, and then I just had like, I didn't lose all of it. Right. So I had this like little red halo for oh, most cool. of chemo. Cause it was like, <laughs> like in the certain lights, because not all, you don't lose every single strand of hair, but, um, anyway, so I had shaved it all down. And so during my last chemo, my sisters drew on my head with magic marker, a like washable oh. marker. And so I had this like really cool graffiti, like oh, thing nice. on my head. And then I remember going you know kind of linking to dragon boat diane who's on our team yeah. we were sitting we had gone out for um dinner at he said mario's and then i was at a different end of the table and i could hear her telling this story but like oh in my second chemo like i saw this girl in the suite and her it must have been her family was drawing on her head and so i pulled out my phone and i was like showing her pictures and i was like is this what you saw and she's like yeah and i was like well that was me like she had been in the chemo suite on her like second round when I was on my last oh, wow. and I'd seen like my sister's drawing on my head. So, um, yeah, so that was a pretty cool memory from that. And then, and that was actually, so my final chemo, I took a picture, um, I had my mom took a picture of me and that's when I posted it on Facebook. And so that was kind of when I let the world, know. the world know. Um, I wore a lot of scarves when I was out in public. I didn't really wear a wig. I, yeah. I wore the wig twice, Christmas Eve and, I had a concert the day after I lost my hair, and that was the only two times I wore my wig. I, they were so uncomfortable. I hated wearing it, and yes. it was the winter time too. Like, well, it was a hat. Yeah, I wore a hat. Like, <laughs> I wore a hat. I wore scarves, and then I just went bald. Like yeah. for me, 
bald means bigger earrings and you know i love yeah. giant they're sitting on the table here a giant earrings so i just took them off so they wouldn't be banging around um but you know they just meant i could have, wear bigger earrings so i had that was okay uh, I with had me really nice eyebrows mm. penciled in eyebrows <laughs> There? Yeah, no, no uh, eyelashes. <laughs> See, I didn't lose my eyelashes till after chemo. It oh, was like a couple right? weeks after chemo. Okay. I was because I'd been putting mascara. They had been thinning, and so I'd been wearing a bit of mascara. And then I like went to do it one day, and I was like, no, there's that nothing, nothing to put that mascara yeah. on. Yeah, there was one time. Um, so my niece, her second daughter, is named Maddie. You've heard yeah. me talk about Maddie before. Maddie has cystic fibrosis. Mm-hmm. And uh, every year there's a cystic fibrosis walk. Anyways, yeah. I couldn't make it that May. Yeah. And they wear purple shirts. So yeah. I put purple eyebrows. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I, I Facebooked my niece and I said, okay, I can't meet you, but I got the shirt on. I'm going to probably walk downstairs and walk back up again, but that's about all I can do. But yeah. I'm with the spirit. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, purple. I want a purple scarf. I was wearing a purple scarf. So nice. yeah, we got to do what we got to do. Yeah, you just, yeah. and I mean, like, eventually I just wore it bald. Like, yeah, I ended up too. And honestly... I would say it was adults that had more of a reaction than kids did. Kids would just, like, they thought it was cool or, like, you know, I, I let my little cousins also draw on my head, like, you know, or they would ask, like, you know, they would be direct and ask questions, whereas adults were kind of, like, hesitant to. So, and they would be the ones that would stare more often, but yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Like, it is what it is. So. That's why I love kids, right? Is they're just kind yeah. of, you know, when their parents would be mortified. It's like, you know, it's okay. And yeah. Then, like, ask the questions. Curious. If, yeah. you, if you don't mind me answering. Yeah. By all means. So. By all means. Yeah. So, and then finished chemo and then did uh, 30 rounds of radiation. I And I mean, I saw my my radiation oncologist like from the beginning. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Because the plan. So basically I met with the medical oncologist and the radiation oncologist and then so they both I. decided. Remember, yeah. yeah. You know, that we're, you are, this is the plan to do surgery, chemo, radiation. Yeah, so I didn't see my radiation oncologist again until just before I started radiation. Right. And how did he determine or she determine that it was 30? No idea. So the reason why I ask is because, so like you, mm-hmm. when my chemo was done, I had to go see my radi- my uh, ra- oncology radiologist. Yeah. And so I had to, you know, take my bra off and, you know, and he had to do his exam. But he just kind of stood back like an artist. And he looked at my breast, and he kind of tilted his head. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to figure out how many treatments you need. And I went, what? Like, he didn't have, well, he had my chart, but I thought, yeah. well, this is weird. It's kind of like, you know, if he was an oncologist, <laughs> a, you know, breast cancer, yeah. like, I feel a little weird. And he says, yeah, 16. And I said, Six, yeah, 16 radiation. I said, how do you know? He says, I just know. It's like. Well, that's damn weird. Yeah. But, you know. No, I have no idea. <laughs> they said we're going to do 30. They're going to do 25 to the breast and then five, like, directly at the scar. Okay. Was how they did it. So when got my little tattoos and was fitted for that weird cushiony thing. Yep. And then started having them. And I did them in, like, April and May, I guess. Because um, I remember we had one of those ice storms and like trying to pick the ice <laughs> off the car because I learned that the earlier in the day you could get an appointment. So I was like the 7 a.m. get me to the hospital because the machines didn't break by that point. Because right. a lot of times like people they got behind or people missed appointments or if they malfunctioned or whatever. If you had a later appointment, right. then you ended up waiting for longer. But I would walk in at 7 o'clock 
And if I could get like the parking doesn't start till eight, so I could get in and not pay for parking and get out again. Um, yeah. And then I actually, I finished radiation and flew out to Saskatoon two days after I finished oh to, uh, present my master's research at our, one of oh our national conferences. No, I had graduated. Oh, you already had graduated. Yeah. I had graduated in the fall. And then from there, they gave me about a month and then I started on tamoxifen. So okay. I've been on tamoxifen for six years now yeah. and they'll keep me on it another four right? another four they'll keep right. me on it for 10 um unless i decide to that i want to have children in right. the next four okay. years and they'll take me off it so have you had any so what were your side effects or effects from that any that you did you get any because so i they advised me to take mine at night okay. like i take tamoxifen before i go to sleep so okay. that you sleep through a lot of it um Weight gain is one of the side effects. Um, so kind of that inner tube around the middle right. that you could just can't get rid of is kind of one of the side effects, which I find that I deal with no matter what you do. how active I am and how well I eat. Um, but And then I found like for the first six months after I finished treatment, and I don't know if it was related to the tamoxifen and kind of my hormones changing again or just the finishing treatment and kind of like realizing because when you're going through treatment like you're just going to you know this appointment that appointment don't get sick take your nupogen <laughs> i remember taking my nupogen one time in a stall at a movie theater <laughs> it felt really classy just pulling out the needle sticking it in in the bathroom but i had to you had to take it the same time every day and i was going to the movies right? like and then I remember, like, somebody saying, you know, you got to take, you know, if you keep it in the fridge. Yep. You, well, you had to keep it in the fridge. But then yeah. if you pulled it out half an hour beforehand, then it would warm up and it wouldn't hurt as much. But I'm not sure I believe them. <laughs> but, you know, because the Nupogen's, like, 1600 bucks a shot or yeah. 1600 bucks. I think it's 1600 for the whole dosage. So, like, two 250 a shot. So, yeah. that little vial. But, yep. um, but yeah, so... But you just, you, you exist in the going to appointments and not getting sick. And the first six months after, I think, were challenging for me emotionally. Just, like, I felt like my emotions were really all over the place. And I would just, like, I had a lot of ta- a lot of trouble sometimes, like, once I kind of, like, let go, I couldn't... If I started crying, I wouldn't be able to stop, necessarily. Right. Like, I needed... It was almost like I think of that, like... No, Temple Grandin, the the woman that's autistic, and yes. she like built the the cattle thing, and like yeah. would go inside, it and like, I almost needed that kind of pressure sometimes to like, you know, just to calm and and but yeah, my emotions were just skyrocketing for probably about the first six months. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, in in a way that it's fairly smooth. Sailing. Yeah, so I mean the thing cool is like to do it right. No, yeah. and I mean. Looking back on it, things are much funnier, and you can laugh about them. Like, yes. when I couldn't turn my key in the lock, I wasn't very happy. But, like, now it's kind of a funny story to tell, right? Which is kind of the way it is. And for me, you know, the whole thing through cancer was just, like, just getting through. And I think as the patient, as a person that has cancer, it's um, it's almost easier for us because we have, like, we know what we're doing. We're going to appointments. We're doing, you know, this is step A, B, C, D, you know. But it's the family and friends as a support system that can't do anything. They're helpless. They can't, yeah. Yeah. To be the supporter in that situation, I think, is way 
way more challenging. Yeah, I agree. Because so. you, you have a prescription as the patient. Right? Yeah. There's a, there's a format. It's going to be this long, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And you deal with whatever comes up when it comes up. But And you have things to do. And you have, yeah. Right? Whereas, you're the one that can take the medication. Yeah. You're the one that can do, you know. Yeah. Whereas they're sitting there waiting. They're, you know, trying to do whatever. It's like, you know, when your friends are sick, right? You wish that you could do something, something for them, but you can't, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's way harder on the support system than it is. Did you, so I know I tried to laugh through a lot of it, not at, not at some of the, not, just to have a good sense of like, this was more of a pain in my butt, mm-hmm. like going through this, this was a, mm-hmm. a something that was an interruption into my life. And, and for me, as scary as it was, I never really thought of it as a death sentence. Oh God, no. No, I never thought that I was going to die. Wait, but you know what? When, when people hear cancer, that's the first thing yeah. you do think of, right? Well, and I think the thing is, too, like, when they think about cancer, you think about movies, and, like, you're attached to the toilet, and this poor little yes. shrunken person is, you know, with their head in the toilet. And that's not the way they want, like, they do not want you to be puking all the time. No. They give you, actively try and make you so you're not puking all the time, right? Like, but yeah, no, um, it's, it's cancer for me was just something that I and still is just something that happened and is and is a part of me it's not something that I hide but it's not not something that I lead with either like I'm not like hi my name is Emily Crows and I'm a cancer survivor (laughs) I mean it comes up and most often when Dragon Boat comes up that's usually when it comes up in conversation yeah um but it's not usually something that I disclose on a general basis I don't hide it either like If it comes up, it comes up, and that's fine. But I don't kind of like look for ways to. So how involve was that it. when you met Josh, though? When like, because when you start a new relationship and you've yeah. gone through that, that's got to be yeah something in the back of your mind. Like, well, I mean, dating after cancer is. We could do a whole podcast on oh, dating yeah, let's after do cancer. That after, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, for a lot of people, it was you know it did. It did come up during Dragon Boat is usually when it came up because, you know, what do you do for fun? Well, I Dragon Boat, how would you get involved in that? Like that, you know, it's natural part of the conversation. And <clears throat> and for a lot of people, that was where the conversation ended. Uh-huh. Um, and so I remember really vividly with Josh, he, you know, he said, oh, how did you get involved in Dragon Boat? And I said, well, here goes. Here goes. <laughs> and I literally said, like, this is usually where the conversation ends. But this is why I got involved. And he's like, well, why would the conversation end? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't end the conversation. It's usually the other party that does. But, um, yeah, so for him it wasn't um, it wasn't a big deal. And it hasn't. He's, he's my first relationship since having cancer. Um, I was single for before cancer and then for a long time after cancer. And, you know, it hasn't been hasn't been an issue that's like right. um you know it just he has never made me feel uncomfortable for any part of physical emotional whatever it is has never made me feel uncomfortable about it. about it and for me too like and that may come I think is a bit directed from me because like I'm not uncomfortable like this is what it is this is who I am this is what you get right <laughs> like you know, well, so and yeah, do that, you know, that yeah, I know. He, and he's always like, it's never, it's never been a thing. That's great. Yeah. Amazing. So I want to meet a Josh. <laughs> <laughs>
they are out there. They are out there. It took a I long just time. Been looking. Yeah, been it looking. just it takes a long time, and it takes you know, well, it's right not, person. It's, it's but you you have to get over your own stuff too, right? Mm-hmm. It takes a while to get mm-hmm. through. I mean, you're seven years now, mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm only. Well, mine was 2017, so the end of my last yeah. treatment. So I'm like, I'm just two years out of the gate, right? Yeah. We're going into three now. Yeah. Um, four, I guess, since diagnosis, but, you know, yeah. at the end of everything. And it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, did you find it took you a long time to kind of... It takes a bit to put your life back together. Yeah. And actually, it was um, another person on our team, Lilla, yeah. who said to me, she was reading something, I don't know if it was a book or an article or what it was, but she said, you know, there's research that says that when you have a traumatic event, like a diagnosis, that it takes you five years to get back to where you would have been in one year if you hadn't. Mm. And for me, like, I graduated school, so like, I was supposed to start my career, right? Like... You know, so I was basically back to, instead of, you know, starting my career and, and you know, doing all the things that one does when you're 25, I was, you know, needing to rely on my support system even more so and, um, you know, needing my parents to help me pay my rent and, like, you know, things that I've been able to do a little bit independently Before. for a while. I couldn't work, like, um, so... You know, so it took me a while. And then when I could work again, um, like, that's the only thing. That's what I wanted to do. As soon as I was clear, like, I wanted to go back to work. I wanted to to get my life going. And so, um, you know, you meet meet people that kind of get stuck sometimes in the cancer um, and kind of never get forward from that point. And you meet people that, um, you know, it's just that refuse to talk about it too. Right. Right. So you have different ends of the spectrum and, and everybody deals with it in their own way. But for me, what I wanted to do was I wanted to get back to my life. I wanted to get working. I wanted to get, you know, I just graduated with a master's degree in music therapy. I wanted to, you know, I had to finish my accreditation file to get my certification, wanted to, to get back to work and to living and to, to be able to stand on my own two feet. That's great. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's really amazing. And I think that's a that's a, a lesson for us all. Sometimes we do get stuck somewhere in our life and we've yeah. just gotta we've gotta push ourselves out somehow. Or mm-hmm. have somebody push us out. Yeah. Either or <laughs> or something <laughs> will push us out. Yeah. Right? So Well and it changes the way that you look you know, you have to kind of get over the it changes you. It changes who you are and I find I found for the first little bit like it's interesting because when I was diagnosed and I was going through cancer, going through treatment at Christmas time, which is before Christmas was when Sandy Hook happened. Right. And I remember bawling for days because I was so upset with how, um, you know, how human beings could do this to one. And I found things like that affected me way more from having cancer. Like never... Never did I think I was dying. There wasn't that kind of, but it just kind of makes you take, like, look at life a lot differently. Yeah. Yeah. And to look and see, like, you know, the things that really do matter in life and, you know, the way that, you know, that human beings treat one another, like, that was a big one for me. And, And I think the thing is, too, like, cancer, cancer causes a change in you and that can be difficult for also people around you, right? Like... You know, we all had those 
friends who, you know, you had the friends that stepped up that you weren't expecting to step up, and you have the friends that didn't step up that you were expecting to be there. Agreed. Right? So, yeah. we're not friends, we're just like people, yeah. right? You have people that come out of the woodwork that you're like, well, I barely know you. Um, Let me help you. And they're there to help, and you have people that you're like, hey, like, you know. Yep. So, I mean, people deal, and th- the thing is, like, again, that's how it kind of goes out from you you're the epicenter right like yeah. you're the the start and so those changes in the way that you look at life can be difficult for other people as well and seeing like you know why things certain things upset you or th- certain things don't or you know i feel like i've tried to let a lot more things go like i don't need the stress yeah yeah so absolutely yeah and finding like finding your joy and what makes you happy and those kind of things and I know myself, I lose that every once in a while, and, like, I'm trying to get back to... Well, that's being human, that's part of of getting well with, you know, getting through the other side of cancer, Mm -hmm. is as you start to get well, you have to remember, you have to kind of pull yourself back a bit sometimes, right? And just say, oh, crap, I went through, I forgot I went through all this stuff, sometimes I do. Sometimes you do, especially at this point, like, you know, I sometimes forget that things like that happen, but... You know, some people don't, they don't forget that. And even, you know, in your own circle, they don't forget forget that. And, you know, I was really lucky. I have a fantastic support system. My family was super supportive. My parents would come down and, because I chose, the other thing I chose to do my treatment here. Right. In Waterloo. And I'm, my parents don't live here. My family doesn't live here. So, um, but they, you know, made it so that they would come down for chemo with me and then take me home for the weekend. And then I would come back and kind of get to live my life for 10 days. And then they would like the cycle would repeat. Right. So, you know, I was lucky. I was really, really lucky to have that kind of support system and friends, you know, if they weren't at my appointments and I had friends that are at my appointments or would take me to appointments and like, you know, I know that not everybody has that. So, um, it was really important to have those people. Yeah in my life as well. Like, and there were so many people that stepped up. Um, you know, my parents came to, you know, all, a lot of the appointments. My cousin sent me like chemo every two weeks. I would get a chemo gift that would arrive like promptly on time. Like, you know, so people just stepped up left, right and center. Yeah. So, and it bring it does bring people together. It and, does. and so, but it also, it, it brings some people together. Yeah. I will say bring some people together yeah. because other people run for the hills because honestly, uh, they don't know what to say, what to no, do, how to No, it's be hard, yeah. especially when you're 24. Yes. Like, I, do you I, know how many times I heard, like, you're too young for this? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I was wondering. I remember, I remember sitting, you know, during my treatments and seeing these young It was mostly young women, and my heart would break. I didn't know if they had breast cancer. I didn't Mm -hmm. know if they had some other, you know, form of cancer. But my heart broke because all I could think of was they haven't even lived yet. Yeah. You know, they they haven't had a chance to laugh and love and screw up and then make, you know, Mm -hmm. fix things up and keep going. Yeah. I don't know if they were on death sentences or not. It was just watching these young people with cancer. Yeah. That, you know, these young 18, 20-year-old yeah. women. And it was heartbreaking. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's interesting because, actually, so my family, starting in the year 2000, we did, like, a time capsule. We all wrote letters. And so 
we opened them in 2010 and read the letters and wrote another one. So we actually opened our 2020 letters. Oh, cool. The other day. Oh, and nice. so it's interesting because, like, you know, I, we, I wrote in 2010. Actually, it was just before 2011 because I left a little late. Um, it was like, 2011 arrives in 45 minutes. <laughs> I should write this letter. Um, you know, even all those things that I was going to accomplish or do or whatever, like, you know, who, who knew that a year and a half after writing that letter, I'd be diagnosed with cancer and that changed the trajectory of my life in some ways, not always. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't leave my career though. I know a lot of people leave their career. A lot of people, it ends their marriage. A lot of people, you know, it changes very drastically and not that it didn't change me as a human being, I find, but I think it makes me a better therapist because I know what it's like to be a patient Mm -hmm. or I have, I not know, but I have an, an idea of what it's like to be on the other side of the table. Um, but yeah, and kind of the list of things that I was going to accomplish looks a little different than, you know, than what they than, did. W- 10 than years what ago. did, yeah. <laughs> so you've written another time capsule. For I 20- haven't. I will. You I haven't will. written you have it yet. So your family does it every ten years. Mm-hmm. I think that's a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. It was actually kind of cool. My sister's letter. Well, I mean, we started when she was five, so her <laughs> first letter was like drawings. And do your parents? Do you keep them, or do your parents have them? So we actually have because it was Y two K, right? So they yeah. were selling. So we actually have a capsule, like a a, uh-huh. a tin, basically that has year two thousand on it, and so the letters go in there, and then we just keep it like in our basement. How cool and so the letters that? are sealed, and so we'll all write one, like this year. Basically, yeah. I think we're trying to get them done, kind of end of January, beginning of February, and then we'll put them all in the box and what read them in ten very years. Cool idea. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, idea. so a but great it, way to look back at your life. When mm-hmm. you, yeah, and for your kids' lives. Yeah. right. Wow, yeah. that's neat. Yeah. Wow. And so you started the dragon boat. Um, yeah, so, so I mean, how did that all happen for you? Because for you me, were one yeah. of the first ones, right? <laughs> yeah, so I was going to Hope Spring at the time. So I started going to Hope Spring, the Cancer Support Center, uh, probably just after I finished treatment, I think. They started like a young women's group, so an under. Okay. Is that under 30? No, it's under 40, I think. So they had an over 40 and an under 40 yes, group. Yes, they still do, yeah. Yeah, so I started attending the under 40 group. And so I had gotten involved with Hope Spring. Like I did the water yoga, hot water yoga and Reiki and the sleeping, better sleep journey, like all the different things. Um, and so in one of their um, newsletters that they send out, there was an ad saying that some students from the University of Waterloo were going to come and want to talk about dragon boating. And so I went to that meeting, and I think Wendy was at that meeting, and a few others were at that meeting, and they said, like, you know, have you heard about Dragon Boat? It's the national sport for breast cancer survivors. The student team at the university had started a staff and alumni team, which is now what the community team has become, Mm -hmm. Um, and they wanted to do another community-based team and thought, hey, let's do it for breast cancer survivors. And so they had this meeting and a bunch of us came out to it and then a bunch of us ended up on the boat. And then, you know, they did, we did our first regatta at Toronto Island in June and then kind of said like... It was a mixed boat though, right? It was a mixed boat. Survivors and... And supporters. And so we had other other cancer survivors. So it was actually a bunch of people from the Hope Spring group that joined. Yeah. um, Just because we needed bodies and there was, you know, people's partners and friends and kids and like whoever else we could convince that they needed to be in this boat because I think there were only 
six or seven of us when we started. And then we decided that we really liked it and wanted to continue <laughs> until September. Um, and so did the continue through the summer and went to Stratford and, and that's where it all began. But, I mean, we went to Italy, like we got to paddle so on the river exciting. Arno, like yeah. I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't had had cancer, you know, yeah. I wouldn't and have gotten have thought of doing that. No, right. No, like didn't have a clue what Dragon Boat was yeah. like, you know, it's something that, that I really love to do. I love, you know, I love being outside two nights a week, like. It's a community. We were active, like you know, all those and things. We're fun. Is, we're fun. Like it's all the things that you need. You're with a group of people. It's different from a support group because, like, in a support group, it can get, it can get heavy. Yeah. And not that it doesn't get heavy sometimes as a team, but more often than not, it's not. That's it's it's a support group in a different way. Yeah. Well, we like, support it, and we laugh. We yeah. have fun. We do have a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 We do have. You know, and it's brought another group of vibrant women into my life. Like, you know, I wouldn't have met as many of the people as I have and got to know and and made new friends. And, you know, especially because, like, once you're done university, like, that's where, you know, that's where your friends are. That's where the easiest place to make friends is. I mean, I'm an independent contractor. I work a lot by myself. Um, You know, I work in a small faculty at the university, like... You know, there aren't a lot of options necessarily. So it's another great way to meet a lot of people. Um, I get to meet people from the other teams sitting on the paddling club board as right. well. And that kind of came about because one day we were like, well, we have enough teams. We should probably like <laughs> make something a little more official to do this. Right. So, um, you know, it's been it's cool to be part of something that's that's building and that's growing and that, you know, we have such such different women like yeah. you know we have people from all different walks of life and different age groups and different diagnoses and different um you know it's just fantastic to have everybody together cancer doesn't care who you are no no it doesn't and i mean that's probably been one of the best things you know you, you it sounds funny to say the best things about cancer but there are a lot of best things about there cancer are. now there well, are yeah <laughs> true I mean, it gets you through the ER real fast if you tell them you have cancer, though. So, I mean, I never waited too long in the ER because they put a mask on and sent me in a corner and be like, you need to go first. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, like, it's, it's, um, it's, it is one of the best things about cancer. It's inspiring. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It's, you know, it's nice to belong to people that understand, but also understand, but without making a big deal of it. Yeah. Right? Like, because sometimes people... When you tell them that you've had cancer, that it's like a, oh, like a, now you're like a piece of glass or now yeah. you need to be treated differently. And on our team, like, you know. Pick up the boat. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Bronwyn doesn't care that we've had cancer. No. Not she treats it. She doesn't care that, if, that our rage range like goes up to what, almost 80. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Nope. You know, 30 to eight, like mid 70s, like yeah. 70, like, you know, she's never treated us like anything other than a bunch of women paddling a boat. Like. Right. You know, so, and I think that's, that's also something really validating because I think sometimes when you tell people that you have cancer, they treat you like you're sick. Mm -hmm. Like you can't do that or you shouldn't do that. Or, um, you know, how do you, you know, they worry more about you and, and Brahman, 
not that Bronwyn doesn't care about us as human beings, right. but she doesn't care that we had cancer. Right. Like, she doesn't, that's not part of the coach. She won't go easier on us because of that. Yeah. And she's which, always, she keeps reminding us. Like, yeah. Like, you like athletes, not like cancer survivors, mm-hmm. which is good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that in itself um, brings a different perspective to the boat as well. Yeah. Right? Because now it's, this is... You know, you don't you don't get off. You don't play the victim in this boat, nope. right? There's no there's no cancer card. There's no card nope. to play because everybody's been there. Yeah, <laughs> and it's kind of like yeah, get over it, right? Yeah, not in a mean way, but in my mind, yeah, like, you know, I I love playing the cancer card or whatever victim card, mm-hmm. and it's like yeah, no, that's just not going to wash here. No, it's just not. No. And there's 20 other women paddling. There's 22 other women in that boat mm-hmm. that need my support. Yeah. And it was it was a mind shift. It yeah. really was because it wasn't about me anymore. No, no. And it's, you know, and even in support groups and things like that, too, you're, they're not necessarily breast cancer support groups no. either. So, you know, not to say that being with other people that have had cancer, because the experience is a lot of the same things, mm-hmm. but... To be with a bunch of women that have breast cancer is, you know, is, is just something different. And to be able to move, like, to be able to, like, I'm so thankful that I, you know, we have women on our team that have lymphedema and things like that too, right? Yes. And this is, you know, that they've done research that this is good exercise versus, like, you know, the research that was, well, if you have breast cancer, don't lift your don't arms move. because <laughs> you might get lymphedema. And now they're like, no, paddling's no, great no, for she, you, right? Yeah. So, you know, and it's it's accessible, mm-hmm. right? Like, we've been to regattas where there are people in wheelchairs that still get into the boat, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's it's accessible and it's, um, it's, it's an even playing field. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what your family Fit- situation is what like. What fitness level you're what at. What fitness level you're at. You know, you get in the boat and you paddle. Yeah. And, and you just do the best you can. And you work together. And, you know, there's just something about about the dragon boat team and yeah it's just there's so many great great things about it there are and i love that we can laugh about it Mm -hmm. whereas out in the world if we were to say some of the stuff that we say in the boat (laughs) it just wouldn't fly no (laughs) yeah there are certain things that only like you know it sounds macabre unless you've had cancer but it's so true yeah it's so true Mm -hmm. it's the same as as addiction yeah you Addicts can laugh amongst themselves. Yeah. But outside that circle, yeah, it's yeah. not so funny. No. No, people don't <laughs> when find When you're on the funny. receiving end yeah. of it, right? Yeah, but, that's great. So we are, uh, so we are, t- how many? 29 strong now, right? We are 29 strong. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. I am, I am personally so thrilled. I never thought I would last a year and here I'm going into my fourth. So I'm pretty yeah. excited about it. Yeah. No, I, you know, even when I started, I was like, I don't know about. Even some days right now, I'm like, why do I do this yes. still? Yes. But at the same time, you always, like no matter what state you go to practice in, you always feel better afterwards. Yeah. Sometimes I just, you know, Bronwyn's chatting, and just because I'm on the water and I'm outdoors, mm-hmm. and I hear the birds and I hear the lapping of the water, I don't hear a word Bronwyn says. <laughs> I just watch you and Wendy yeah. and try to keep it up. <laughs> Keep it up. But sometimes that just calms me right down. Mm-hmm. Just that whole experience. Yeah. And then I look around and I'm amazed. I'm mm-hmm. amazed that 
sad that I, I belong with this group of women and yet amazed at who this group of women yeah. are. Right? Yeah. It's just, it is an inspiration. And it if really you're going is. through a bad day, you know, you hear somebody's story and it's like, yeah, you know. Well, and I think the thing is, too, like, you know, we all understand the, like, oh, it's time to go get another scan, or, oh, I have to follow up with my doctor, or, oh, like, you know, we, it's different being in the group of people that understand that and can validate that, but not get stuck on it. Right. Right? So, um, you know, and it's, it's good to be, to have that experience and be connected yeah. with those people yeah. and, you know, and, you know, to bring others into the fold. <laughs> right like yeah. you know yeah. and to have people find us for all different reasons and they come and go and we've got a pretty solid crew right now so we do i am just so grateful for the women who are there because you know there's not a lot of negativity or controversy in our on our team and no. you know i just hope it keeps that way because it's it's a remarkable group of women yeah it really is a remarkable it group really of is women. Mm-hmm. yeah Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming in and doing this yeah, with me. Yeah, of course. Um, and um, signing off with <laughs> Emily and Debbie. Awesome, thank you. Thanks.